0: It's a multi-part. It's a multi-parter. Right.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Tangent Space. I'm Brandon Anderson. And I'm John Caius. This episode, we're going to talk about Star Wars. Sort of more popular than ever, amazingly. Yeah, we just had the last sequel in the trilogy come out. Uh, What the heck was the name of it? Revenge of the Nerds.
0: It was, oh, something Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker? Which I don't really understand the title, but okay.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, and then also The Mandalorian just came out, which was the other thing that finished just now.
0: Right, spinoff series.
1: Uh, And yeah, I guess I've seen both. I don't know, John, you didn't see Mandalorian. I have
0: not. It is on my list to watch.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's pretty simple. There's not like a huge amount to that story, aside from Baby Yoda. That can be fine, right? I
0: mean, maybe better getting away from the huge epic storylines and just do like cool stuff in the universe.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, all right, Star Wars in general, like it is a massive franchise. There's no way we can talk about all of it. I think maybe a place to start is on a personal note. Like, what about Star Wars spoke to you? What are you? What's stuck with you? Like, what is it in your life?
0: Huh. That's a, that's an interesting question. I think I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to think. So, like the way I saw the way I experienced Star Wars as a kid, which is probably true for a lot of, well, not, what our ages of our audience here, but for people born in like the 80s, let's say, kind of the early millennials. Mm-hmm. That like I never saw the series like in order. My first memory of seeing it was we had a Mm -hmm. taped copy of Return of the Jedi from like the you know, from the TV. You taped it off the TV, which this won't make sense to anyone if you're really young. So right, we're really (laughs) narrowing down our audience here. (laughs) Um but that's what I remember seeing for Star Wars as a kid. I don't remember even when it was taped. I just remember we had this tape and we watched it, and then I think I saw Parts of the first one, A New Hope. Um, mm. Not really on TV. I do remember seeing it in Greece when I visited as a kid when I was like seven or something. Mm. I remember watching that on TV. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think. Uh, and then I think like a lot of us saw it when they, when Lucas re released them as the, wherever they're called, special editions, enhanced mm. editions. Yeah. Um, so that was the first time seeing them in theaters. And then I saw them. And that might have been the first time I really saw Empire Strikes Back. And that would have put us at, what, like early high school, late middle
1: school? Mm. Yeah, I remember that, high school. Yeah, so
0: I'm trying to think as, yeah, I'm trying to think as a kid if I remember if that was, like, the main, like, sci-fi thing, seeing that and watching Star Trek on TV, I guess. Um, Right. That was, like, sci-fi, right, was Star Wars. But I didn't grow up, like, seeing the movies in theaters, I didn't grow up having any, I don't think I had any Star Wars toys. Yeah. Right, like mm. that, because maybe it's kind of oh, grew up crazy. in like the lull right before it became re released and big, right. and then the lead up to the prequels and then the new trilogy now. So it was maybe still pretty nerdy and geeky, like you wouldn't just talk about Star Wars to anyone. Mm. Yeah, so I think I just, as a kid, just found it like, yeah, drawn to sci fi as someone who likes, I guess, science, fantasy, those type of um, stories, the fantastical fact they had like lightsabers, the starships made cool noises. Yeah. There's like this epic storyline, mm-hmm. like epic stories too. This was before, um, I remember watching Star Wars before I read Lord of the Rings, before that was a movie franchise, uh, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to think like epic stuff wasn't like the big thing. There was no Marvel cinematic universe. There was, I think mainstream wasn't yeah. really on the geeky, nerdy fantasy sci-fi epics, right? Not as mainstream. Yeah. So I think maybe that's why it stuck out to me. Um, hmm in terms of smaller stuff, definitely loved lightsabers. Thought that was the coolest. I kept on trying to think as a kid, like how you would make one. Because it seemed absurd, yeah. but I was <laughs> like, you just like focus the lights so and then it cancels out and it makes like a laser sword. Um, yeah. That tough. definitely obsessed yeah, I me. I think
1: I might have dabbled in that.
0: Yeah. Only had invented a lightsaber.
1: Do people still think about that? I wonder. I bet people do work There's probably on
0: entire this. books about how to make a lightsaber, hypothetically yeah. or realistically.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Hmm. What about you?
1: Yeah. Uh. Well, yeah, I guess I'm a little older because uh, I remember, yeah, we definitely had the same kind of taped version. So I missed, I think, like, the last one came out, like, before I was born still, just barely. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we had, like, VHS versions that I remember watching. I think we had Return of the Jedi taped. I think when I was really little, I watched that like a million Might have been times. the same one, man. Like to the point where like I still have like every sound from uh-huh. that movie burned into my brain. <laughs> every weird word that Jabba said <laughs> or sound effect when Boba Fett takes right. off or like any of that. It's right. just like immediately recallable. And so that I remember really liking. As a kid. And I remember the toys were sort of around. I remember my next door neighbor, uh, when I was real little, like four years old, had like a, an AT. AT. Oh
0: shit. Yeah. Cool. And it
1: was the coolest toy of any kid. I knew it was huge. It was like the size of me when I was that yeah. size. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. And sort of like added to the mystique of it. Right. Like he was an older kid that like was there when star Wars was coming out. Mm-hmm. Right. So he was really into it. And so I was like, Oh, old, cool kids like star wars right (laughs) uh so yeah anyway and then yeah kind of same there was that lull for me uh where you know it didn't get watched too much until it came back out and then everyone got really into it but yeah i mean i i certainly had a soft spot for it it was like it really was like the most epic thing
0: save the galaxy (laughs) movie.
1: like the stakes were higher than any other movie like sometimes people save the world you know but like the whole galaxy like right right there's nobody doing that yeah and the like moving stuff with your mind oh right very cool very cool i would like tried a lot of moving stuff with my mind yeah (laughs) when i was a kid uh (laughs) yeah anyway and then re-release great prequels came out i was a bit excited and then it just faded into like utter disdain the prequels like ruined it for me, and I remember being bummed by that, and then eventually coming to the decision that they don't exist <laughs> for me. Right, the movies that <laughs> shall not I've be been named. Able to deal with that, yeah, uh, and and then then these Disney bought it right, and all this stuff came out, and I, I think it's been better since then. Uh, certainly not without complaints sure. or any of the. It's entertaining. But it's a, a jillion times better than the prequels. So mm-hmm. for that, I'm sort of thankful. Yeah. Uh, and the other two spin offs, yeah, I thought were all right. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I'm like feeling okay about it now. I'm, I'm guessing it's like the new Marvel, and we're just going to see this right. until we hate right. it. <laughs> but it's like doing every character, you know, like. What's the backstory of Salacious Crumb? <laughs> really, right? Gonna, well, that's what they start doing. They right, end up sitting in Java's yeah. lap and laughing at yeah. everybody. <laughs>
0: I think that's also part of it. I think for me, like I grew up without cable TV. We had five channels, ten channels. I don't know, not a ton, right? And some of them came in pretty fuzzy. And we had a whole, of course, my dad, the physicist and engineer, had like a whole mm. thing to rotate the antenna so you can tune it to certain channels. Up on the roof. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But um, so we had our taped movies and stuff off TV. And so we tend to watch those a lot, right? So I think like right. those yeah. collection of movies, yeah, yeah. whatever. I don't know why my parents decided to tape it. I guess we liked it or, you know, me and my brother, they thought we would because my parents, they were not into Star Wars, right? I was going to ask if, if your parents maybe got you into okay. it, but they, my parents both came to the US. They were grad students when Star Wars came out. And I think my mom said she went to go see it with some of her friends, and she was like, "What is this kid's movie? Like, it makes no sense. Why would any adult watch this?" Um, I don't know what my dad thought; but it was probably nice. something similar. So, how you know, my brother and I got into enjoying it and watching it, and had this taped copy of it. I have no idea, but right. we definitely, we definitely nice. watched the hell out of it. I can still remember like the opening promo, some of the ads, like at least uh-huh. the first, the beginning and ending <laughs> yeah. ads, because then you'd fast forward through the rest, right?
1: Totally. Yeah. so oh yeah i got such weird artifacts i think we probably had about the same
0: yeah might have been the same broadcast
1: recorded on tv because there were like deleted scenes sort of and i also remember there was one i learned about later like because everything was fit on to a square television right, yes uh rather than being widescreen there's always this shit that got cut off still amazes TVs. me so i remember there was one point where like someone's looking through binoculars uh-huh. and they're like oh look at those sand people or whatever and i was always like what the fuck and i would pause it and like look and be like where is it what what do you mean and it's like not in the scene because it's off the edge yeah <laughs> like yeah it wasn't until like 15 years later that i was like oh
0: no i'm with you same
1: it wasn't a weird artful scene where the thing wasn't actually in it even though they said so right yeah they definitely have like a tender spot for it for it because of that and for sure, I really do like, especially Return of the Jedi. Right, um, yeah. And I know that's a debatable one, but like, for, I don't know, because the Ewoks and so on and so forth, but I don't know, I, I feel like that whole bit where Luke is being tempted by the Emperor mm-hmm. is like the best part of any of this material. Yeah. It's like, the for me, the most believable actual temptation of evil in any of it like where the emperor is talking shit and he's killing his friends and he's just being a putrid old man and it's pissing luke off naturally mm-hmm. but then you know he feels all righteous like here i am to do this and you think yeah you're not worried about luke coming into the scene being tempted right because he's so clearly good but when he starts to get angry like you're also getting angry yeah and and then all of a sudden the emperor reminds you that that's what he wants like you're already turning. There's a great little gotcha moment in there, you know? You're like, oh, shit. This right. sneaky old man, like, I am turning evil. Like, uh, yeah, and then the whole music when he fights his father right after that, like, oh, it's beautiful. I, I really like that part.
0: Yeah, and, his, and Vader brings in his sister, which would then be their next target. So now he wants to, you know, protect his family. Yeah, so man. it's family, friends, yeah. like oh. everyone relying on him
1: yeah so believable yeah and then like so so he gets angry he's turned right into his father he's about to kill him and then chops off his hand and then you see the like machine wires sticking out of vader's hand and then luke realizes he's got a machine hand already and like oh fuck i'm becoming my father yeah like literally (laughs) yeah and then yeah it's just such a perfect little wrap-up of so many things you know like those fears you know and temptation and how you might be saved like by the littlest thing yeah because totally if he'd finished off Vader right then like i don't know he might have been done for
0: yeah Yeah. i think that gets to so i haven't read too much of i was reading a little bit after seeing the most recent star wars some of the fan reactions and debates and some articles about how jj abrams and the most recent star wars just to jump like 30 years into the future, here, um, yeah, 40 years of the future, um, how he kind of like threw Ryan Johnson's version, you know, The Last Jedi, like under the bus, and kind of fans were happier with the newer version. Oh. And one of the things I saw of like criticism of fans didn't like was that Luke wasn't like all good and perfect in Last Jedi, that he had doubts mm-hmm. and that he ran away. But that was his fucking, that was right. his MO, right? That's what he did. That was his totally. whole, like, he <laughs> ended up in a good place, he had an arc, but that was always part of him, that conflict. And trying to understand, like, what does it mean to be good? What happens when bad things happen? Like, you can't control everything. And the responsibility feels. good exploration. Yeah, and so I think Mm -hmm. stuff like that where it's, like, brought in more. That's why I liked a lot of the elements of Last Jedi was because it brought in some of that more gray area and these, like, complexities. Mm -hmm. The characters have just, like, pure good and evil. Which, like, the scene you were talking about, right? Seeing Luke, the hero in, in Return of the Jedi, who's supposed to be all good, but then being tempted Like and not for any bad reasons because he's just trying to do what he thinks is best.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I mean, that's the thing with this. Like, it, the universe. I mean, in terms of morality, right? Like, starts so simply. There, I mean, it's you couldn't ask for a more explicit measure, right? Like, we have a an actual good and dark side. Yeah it's clear there's magic. There are two opposed magical forces and you either belong to one or the other. Mm-hmm. And there's like measurable effects is just the mixture of those two. You end up with some really interesting, like explorations of what it means, you know, to be good and bad. Oh, I think one of the better morality explo- explorations of this universe is in, uh, Knights of the old Republic. Yes. Uh, which we may have mentioned uh, in this podcast. I can't remember, but it's like an old video game. I don't know in the nineties or
0: like like 2000 ish early two thousands.
1: Yeah. And it was like set thousands of years. I presumably before any of the star Wars happened. And this was like early Sith and Jedi stuff. Your character is in this video game and you, it's like any RPG, you know, where you like make good and bad choices and that sort of, you have like an alignment somehow and that produces different effects in the game. Like, are you making moral or immoral choices anyway? And so you align more and more with the light or dark side and that's what you want. And as a like power gamer, you're trying to like get as aligned with something as possible. Cause you get the most benefits that way, right? You get the high end features of whatever morality you've chosen uh, and then I think it's in Kotor 2. There's this old woman. You remember her?
0: Yeah, I can't remember her name. It starts with a K, I think though.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's an old woman and she like presents herself like as someone not powerful, and I think at some point you realize that she's really just been hiding that. Uh because her whole deal is that she's a neutral uh Jedi or not a Jedi or whatever force mm-hmm. user. And that, like, she was extremely careful to have zero alignment all the time. For every good action she takes, she does a bad action. True neutral. That's that's what I was thinking, yeah. It's like impossible. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that gave her some other power that, like, at this point in the game, you'd never even considered that would have worked out for you. You just assume there's no such thing. and and she had all these powers that were basically like immunity to the force. Like she was, none of the stuff worked on her. It was actually a really cool power, uh, that you got from being neutral. And she started to like get in your head about it in the game. Like I remember one specifically where you like give money to a, a person on the street, Mm-hmm. And of course, presented with that option in the game, you're like, Yeah, I'm a good guy. Take this money, like I feel awesome. Yeah, look at my alignment change. Like <laughs> it's all very pat yourself on the back. And then she's like trying to teach you a lesson, and she like she's like, You think you're a goodie, huh? Well, look what happened. And you like shows you this vision of that dude that you gave money to, and he like gets the money, walks around the corner, and people see that he's got money and they like kill him and take it.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: all of a sudden she starts doing this to you all the time and you're like oh fuck like do i even know what's good Mm -hmm. who writes these rules who's who's saying what what is more aligned with good and what isn't like is it net effect is it like (laughs) right
0: especially in a game where it's you you've have to have it some like concrete thing right you have an alignment value right like plus 10 good or whatever it is right like so you can physically see it and it has yep. effects in the game on your skills or whatever it is, however they want to do it. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's right yep. there. It's not, I mean, it lets you then play around with that. And I think it's a good, uh, can, yeah, one of the few games I mean, that did it interestingly, right?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, it, you could think of that kind of alignment as like social response to your morality in real life, right? Like when you do good deeds, you sort of, society sees that in you and then they, you know, there's some feedback people think of you as a good person and and so your alignment changes right uh but then sort of this neutral thing like frees you from all that where you no longer care what society thinks of you you just do your actions (laughs) yeah Uh, i think it's a pretty interesting metaphor for all that um, and from a video game, no less, right. right? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, these very simple building blocks and it reaches something kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I think it's especially, uh, for a video game, because it's interactive and you're making those choices, right? It'd be different if you're reading or watching a character make these choices or go through the story arc and seeing, you know, how they become a good or bad person or what that means in that world or if it's in a very gray yeah. world. And that's, uh, you know, for another video game, which i have mentioned and people maybe are thinking about now because of the Witcher series on Netflix. Um, but what struck mm-hmm. me about those games, or at least the parts of it I've played, um, it also played with those RPG kind of tropes of like, you make a choice, you get a reward or like right. you get into a fight or get out of a fight. And then you could just reload the save and do it the other way and figure out which way is right. the best reward, right? You could power game it. Yeah. And right. what that game played totally. with, which most of them don't was that you didn't actually know what happened for your choice. Like, yeah. I remember this.
1: You didn't find out till much right, later. Right. And, and that no. struck
0: me like in the very first game, in like one of the first areas you go out, there's some elves trying to steal some like supplies or medicine. And it's up to you, like, okay, they're obviously thieves, but then they say they're freedom fighters and they're persecuted people. You know, there's all these racial things. Mm-hmm. So, like, do you help them because they need this medicine or supplies? Or do you stick with like, it's yeah. not theirs? And then you just do it and then nothing happens, they go off, or you kill them, or whatever happens, and it's only like later in the game you find out, oh, you helped them because you thought they needed it, turns out they're also terrorists, and they use that to, or, you know, terrorists from another right. racial point of view, and so they blew up some people, yeah. or you didn't help them, you found like, oh, actually right. they're persecuted, and they're all dying because they haven't gotten help, like, and they actually did need it, so it's, yeah. that also kind of played with the fact that you don't know in the moment necessarily in, like, in a more in mm-hmm. depth kind of situation or writing, whether it's like quote-unquote good or bad yep. or what that even means right neither of them are good or bad in yeah. the end it's just like which shitty side do you like more or less i guess
1: Yep. yeah totally yeah and so yeah i think this is kind of getting to the core uh morality of star wars which is basically okay so there are a couple clues they give you um i won is with the Sith, and I think this is from the prequels, so of course it's like a joke <laughs> of a meme now, but they say only a Sith deals in absolutes at one point. Yeah,
0: that's a famous, famous uh, one online now.
1: And I, th- and I think it was like a dig on some political thing at the time, right, when they were talking about flip-flopping as if it were a bad trait right. in a politician changing your mind was not allowed you shift
0: come into this world <laughs> so, fully formed you cannot change your
1: opinion about yeah him. exactly like which was and, and people criticized this politician i it was john Kerry, maybe oh yeah
0: yeah that might have been him After uh, changing <laughs> his
1: mind about something and and then they burned him hard on it and was like oh you can't make up his mind he's not sure about every moral thing and then this was a dig on that to say you know like only an evil person deals in absolutes and i thought that was like so key to the the core of it all, because, I mean, it tied into something like Yoda was saying in the early ones, right, where he's, where Luke is asking him, like, how do you know good from evil? Right. How do you know what's, what's a dark side action and what's not, you know, like, and Yoda says, when you're calm and at peace, you'll know. There are no rules, I can't tell you the rules of when something's good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. You just need to chill out and think through every moral situation. Just deal with them all. Don't be lazy. It's hard, it's not easy and seductive like a rule is, but that's the light side is actual thinking through things. And I thought that was super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy. Oh, there's you know, this like rules thing. It leads so many places too like refusal to compromise right is the same Mm -hmm. right i mean it's just another way to have rules and there's like so many super villains and whatever that are based on this inability to compromise
0: yeah or even people seem to seem good to throw in more current pop culture references people perhaps have watched watchmen which that was fantastic Mm -hmm. and one of the things and also which people got upset about was that rorschach in the new hbo series like the people follow him are shown to be like white supremacists fascists terrible people and i was like no rorschach was the hero of um of you know the watchman comics because he was the only person who wouldn't compromise like he absolutely had his his moral standards but that was like the point that alan moore was trying to make in the comic was showing that going the other way too is really bad someone who's just so in you know ingrained in their rules and what's right and wrong that they're also another extreme right. just like you know he's trying to show the extremes yep. of superheroes villains comic books yep. um and yep. people miss that because yeah it's great there's some good things like yeah it seems like he does the right thing and some big stuff but his journal entries are full of like homophobia and misogyny and all sorts of stuff like that where he has his code and he sticks to it and he's defined what's good and evil for him yeah and he can't see past that no matter what
1: yep yeah it's a great dig yeah i Yeah, I was thinking about another one. Uh, This came up... uh, Boy, I haven't seen it in like 20 years maybe, but... You're old. uh, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) good lord. Uh, There was an anime called Trigun. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. It was like a kind of earlier style anime. And it was all about this guy uh, named Vash. And he... It was like an old west sort of future cowboy scene. And... He was like a gunslinger, I guess. And it, it, he was introduced as like, there was a jillion dollar bounty on his head for being like this destructive force. Mm-hmm. And like he had destroyed a million things and there was a ton of reward for this guy and he was a menace. And then you like get to know him and you find out that his whole deal is he's like a super strict pacifist. Mm-hmm. That's it. He will not kill a person for any reason, like he won't harm anyone, and because of this stance, he got famous like for you know just like happenstance, and then people are all trying to kill him and get this bounty and stuff, and he he evaded death every time people would come after him, but like it, they kept causing all this collateral damage trying to kill him, which would get blamed on him and attract more bounty hunters and it was like this vicious cycle, and it ended up tons of people dying just from the attempts on his life, like, going wrong. Yeah. And and so it became very unclear, like, was he being moral by refusing to just kill these people while also refusing to die? Mm-hmm. And eventually it ended up with he he finally takes a life in the end and matures into, like, a normal, real person. And <laughs> that's the lesson was basically that his stance, even though it was, like, explicitly nonviolent— it became counterproductive and it it was like a question of whether that was inherent to any absolute stance or was it just because it was so different relative to societies or what was going on? But yeah, it was a super fascinating take I thought on, on like a moral absolutism. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Boy. Yeah. Star Wars, right? (laughs) 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 Yeah, man, I can talk about absolute stuff. All day long. (laughs) I promise we wouldn't talk about veganism, though, so... Did you promise that? I don't remember that. Did I promise that? (laughs) Oh, no, I... Yeah, I mean, it's technically, like, an absolutism, right? Like, um, Well,
0: it's a... a, But, I mean, in a practical sense, you can't... You can't be 100% vegan unless you, like, have a control thing that you built from... You know, like, you can't. And I think... People have to understand that, like it's it's about minimizing, you know, impact right. from animals. But I think yeah, people exactly. don't see it that way.
1: Yeah, it's still a compromise. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just it's level. all these hidden yeah, things. Exactly. You just have
0: to understand where they are. um Did you see right. the SMBC about vegan uh veganism a couple days ago? Uh,
1: I think so. I almost sent it to you. What did it say? It was again? about
0: oh he's like oh you're a negative vegan. I'm a positive vegan. I go and <laughs> oh, right. break in to cuddle the animals. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my god oh that was good yeah i like that was really good gotta push it
0: (laughs) (laughs) but he's done a lot of um zach whatever his name is smbc he's done a lot of the those ones about how do you measure like how good or bad something is right like if you're trying to maximize right uh goodness or happiness and like how it could run amok in a kind of extreme funny situation but i think it always raises a good point of like how do you measure these things what does that mean if you're just yep. trying to make the world happier? So some people can be unhappy if the people are happier, like super happy or like one right. person in that comic, right? Which is like the most happiness was just pleasing, doing everything this guy yeah. wanted. So that would be the way to maximize happiness. and
1: Totally. Yeah, it's it's becoming so relevant though. Like really, I mean, we touched on this before, but like uh, sort of do no harm laws, right? asimov laws are becoming a real thing right if you have you know the tesla conundrum might where do you hit the old lady or you hit the young person you know like it has to choose and you have to hard code which one yeah right it's like a real absolute choice now and yeah people hate it like that it's better to you know make every decision in context uh but yeah, there's
0: literally some function right in that code that must literally quantify how good or bad something's going to be and you know right. minimizes bad like travel time and right. killing people and maximizes yeah. good so <laughs>
1: yeah yeah <laughs> it's yeah, crazy i mean I, this did we mention this boy yeah i keep getting more and more senile as the <laughs> show goes on but like this this gets towards like a as you get more and more advanced like the like people sort of scoff at the absolute morality of religion sometimes that you know how could a just deity decide that just because you ate the wrong food you burn forever mm-hmm. right like some crazy rule like that right yeah uh what that's taken out of context right like it doesn't really address the fact that maybe you accidentally ate it <laughs> or uh-huh. you know. yeah Uh, stuff like that so but but the way you see like ai and all this tech evolving you see that rules like that can be built into systems and uh, the the usual fact that like any sufficient technology appears like magic to (laughs) someone that doesn't have it right so you could envision some crazy scenario where like we became advanced enough to see life on other planets and we gave it some ai overlord and that AI overlord like had some weird built-in rules and there was just a loophole like that where like, yeah, obviously (laughs) should the uh, densians of this planet ever consume this thing, then I shall blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. And it seems super arbitrary, but like, you can't foresee everything, every outcome of an absolute rule. So of course, insane stuff starts to happen eventually. So the like justification for the unjust God, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that really could happen probably never going to get there, but like you can see it building.
0: This uh, reminds me of now we're really getting sidetracked, but there was um, a little (laughs) uh, op-ed or, you know, article in the New York times um, a few days ago from a, it must've been like a philosopher or maybe a, a religious scholar about why people feel like they are so, um, they can't give up on the idea of hell or some sort of suffering. Like they can give up other stuff, they okay. can argue about other things, but some people want to hold on so much to the idea of hell that there's some suffering huh. in some terrible place, which doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily reflected in you know, Judeo-Christian scripture. Yeah, um, you yeah it doesn't it. really make sense. And in other interpretations apparently it would just be like everyone goes to like a purgatory, or like waiting zone, and you know come become better which also ties into the the good place which we can talk about too if we want to go into philosophy um right. yeah. but like this this guy who was writing his point was just that um, some people just seem like they need to know that people are suffering or that there's worse people and there's consequences um that for some reason that just like is harder for people to give up or they just define themselves through that opposite i guess right that you're mm-hmm. not bad you're not going to hell Right. That's more important than, or, you know, that people get have consequences for what they do. They're going to suffer. Right. There's going to be justice. Yeah. And some people cannot give that up, even though it's like insane to think about it. And it goes back to our episode about, you know, eternity and heaven and stuff. Like, can you have heaven without hell? Right. Is that kind of the point there, too? Like, would you be happy in heaven knowing that everyone's going to be there? And even the worst person in the world is not going to be suffering. At some point, they're going to be in heaven or you know, not hell right. of some sort, right? Would that mess it up? Apparently it does. Yeah. Some people really can't get, you know, around that. Right. it does maybe sour the idea if you think of heavens for everyone. There's no hell.
1: Yeah, for real. I I could see that. I mean, it would be like if, you know, in society, you know, you sort of believe that the criminal justice system works, right? Basically. But if you, like, one day someone was like, no, there's no such thing, actually. It's all just a farce, and we just let criminals go. Yeah, <laughs> Like... That would be very hard to accept,
0: mm-hmm. and that's why people have trouble yeah. with, um, you know, criminal justice reform in some ways because, you know, it was defined as bad to have possession of a small amount of marijuana or crack cocaine or something, and people go to jail. And now it's like, oh, mm-hmm. we, you know, that's not fair. People have gone to the idea of that there's serious issues, and we'll let people out. But then it's like some people see it as a slippery slope. So you're just going to let out all the killers now, and the, you know, all the predators right. and assault people, assault people and kill people and all that stuff. Like they still need yeah. some idea of justice. And then, but at the same time, you we have to, they have to accept that. Or we all have to accept that the good and bad changes over time, right? Like something that was thought of as really mm-hmm. bad or, you know, terrible for society or wrong. Now, maybe in a different context, you see as right. you know, right. other you know, for other reasons, right.
1: How it's unfair. Totally. Yeah. I think, Okay, this is a good way to bring it actually back to Star Wars, I think. Bring us back, bring us back. <laughs> Not that we need to stay there. The way that the droids are treated in Star Wars. Oh, right. Like really is a poignant change as you see them go from the 70s to now. I just pretty recently rewatched the the originals and it, it is shocking like how badly han treats all droids mm-hmm. like especially c-3po though he is just scathing every comment at one point they just like shut c-3po down without his consent yeah. <laughs> like Knocked him out just things that if that was a person this would be so intolerable right and clearly c-3po is a sentient equivalent life form he feels fear and he can and loss and worries and, and, and all right. the emotions we do like I don't see any difference between him with my eyes closed and a person. And yet (laughs) it's really bad. And then, yeah, they start to change, uh, with the new ones, especially. Um, yeah, there's like a few examples. There's like in, um, Oh, in rogue one, uh, there's that robot that the main character sort of befriends, like uh, Imperial droid. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he ends up being good. And then in, it's even more strong in solo when it's made out that like uh, Lando has in a basically a relationship with a droid. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is great. Like, okay, cool. Like, and, and, and she starts at one point in the movie, like a droid uprising and she's like droids rights right. and they rebel. Right. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Finally, like you'd think this would have happened a long time ago. So that was pretty cool. And you could see that evolve over time, which was, you know, kind of following our own rights.
0: Yeah, I think there's some, I'm trying to remember if it was in one of our links we had in our Dune episode. I don't remember if it was in um, the kind of master's thesis that we linked to or or something else I saw that we didn't link to. But yeah, some discussion scholarship Mm -hmm. on like, what does it mean for there not to be like androids in Dune? Or like other sci-fi of the time, like what it meant to have different types of machines and androids and robots, that do with like right. people's views of technology, of, you know, of different types of people in the world. Like, yeah, there's definitely mm-hmm. a very interesting, I'm sure, work that people yeah. look at, seeing how things like that have changed. Like, what it mean for a robot in like 50s sci-fi versus you know, like totally. 70s and now, like, have become more accepting yeah. that they are sentient and or you know could be and what that means like do you treat them as a person or just because they're made out of metal and have a program in their brain full of wires
1: yeah 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 it was crazy and i remember like this coming up with like in star trek also when i was a kid which wasn't that long after i mean maybe even was a response to yeah yeah, but the way data was treated Mm -hmm. and there being whole episodes devoted Mm -hmm. to like does he is he the property of Starfleet? Right, like, yeah. can people just shut him down when they want to? Is he a thing or is he a person? Yeah, yeah it's fascinating stuff. And I remember like being very influential to me. Yeah, maybe this is an aside, but actually, <laughs> over Christmas break, uh-huh. I had this discussion uh, a little bit with my mom, and she like said some shocking ass. Is she like, a robo?
0: We need a t- term for this. <laughs> like, Robo Robophobe No Uh. Yeah
1: Robophobe (laughs) I like it And she really said something like Well it's a robot Just shut it down Uh, I was like What? (laughs) I I was talking about the like Development of true AI Right And like at what point Is it passing the tourist test And how do you know And what do you do with All the prototypes she's like Just shut them down (laughs) They're they're robots And I was like Mom What the (laughs) fuck I just say to me (laughs) Just snuff it out In it's crib (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was so shocking to me and i realized like what a right. long journey i had been on that yeah. i guess she just wasn't watching any of this discussion so she was still back in 1992 about it yeah but yeesh yeah, it was nice to see the development coming into star wars but then this last movie the thing was c-3po okay so it's like some spoiler alert Amazingly, we haven't really spoiled much of this Because we haven't actually (laughs) talked about it. Uh, Yeah, really, whatever. But so C3PO in this one, at some point, becomes like the the important guy. He's the hero all of a sudden. Because he's got some information in him that he could tell them that would help. uh, But he can't tell them without having his memory wiped. uh, Because it goes against his programming. And basically he volunteers to die or have his memory erased and give them this information. So he's got this great selfless moment where he can, you know, take one for the team and die and they all will live on. Uh, But, and, and so I I thought, okay, here, great. Here's a nice like culmination sort of of (laughs) all the droids rights thread, but then he does it. And then basically reintegrates back into the story with zero friction they're just like, "Oh, C3BO, come this way." And he's like, "Oh, who are you?" Uh, whatever. And then he just like goes back to being himself and like nothing changes. Like no one treats him any differently. Like <laughs> it's just like to me really highlighted the like com- the fact that he was completely ignored and ostracized and like sidelined the entire time. Like that you could wipe this guy's memory. You could just freaking kill him and replace him with a clone and no one would notice. <laughs> like it was like the ultimate insult. <laughs> I felt like
0: or maybe it's that memory doesn't define him and he has a soul. So he's still the same <laughs> robot. I don't know.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it could be a different like yeah, more generous reading of that, but yeah, I just had this moment where he's just fitting back in and everyone like around him like didn't appear to notice or be sad. <laughs> right. I was just like wow, like even if he was killed and reborn or whatever like the fact that he didn't change in other people's minds mm. really i thought meant something about the droid treatment in these movies
0: i mean there are moments in early ones right like in empire where Chewie is like really set on putting c-3po back together after he gets blown apart and he's very well, like kind of true. upset because chewie's an, you know he's a softy at heart underneath all that that's fur that's
1: true yeah. Yeah, he really does like take care of him. It's weird. I mean they're both sort of outsiders, mm-hmm. right? Both the minorities. True. As it were. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and the whole thing with like BB-8 and Poe, like they they're like doggy person relationship, <laughs> I guess it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But really, I, I, I do feel like the robots in this series, two are just way, like, weirdly underpowered. Like, in some ways, this universe is, like, a bit steampunk in that it has technologies that are, you know, anachronous or, like, just don't make sense that they wouldn't have developed further than they did, you know? Uh-huh. Really, you have, like, robots that can think and compute faster than anybody, and yet they are nothing but servants there's not a race of robots somewhere like the they didn't build their own robots and form a singularity like
0: yeah they are mm -hmm. always shown as kind of um yeah smart but like c3po is always like kind of constrained by his worrying and absolute following of rules or pretty rigidly r2 is seen as like eccentric and creative but more physically limited i guess like he can't do stuff but he Has more personality, I guess. Hard to tell because he just Yeah, they have
1: to be really limited. They're, like, limited physically on purpose, I think, to, like, is it to make them cute or less threatening? C3PO is super humbled. He has, like, a very inferior body. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, when clearly they have the tech. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, what's-his-face... Grievous's body in the prequels, right? I mean, was he was he a, was he a living they thing inside? or was it?
0: I can't remember. It's all
1: yeah. He had like a heart and a eyeballs or something left, <laughs> which hmm. yeah, there wasn't much of him. Uh, but the, I mean, they could make that body. They could make it for C three PO. Yeah, it was pretty strange. Just maybe it was trying to make them non threatening. Maybe people are afraid of robots. Or that's just like a funny thing to see something superior be hobbled. Is that is that our weird <laughs> Schadenfreude or whatever? <laughs>
0: um, there was also that um, assassin robot in Empire Strikes Back. What do they call him? Right, right? or IG Eight Eight or something. Um, I mean, of course, in the actual mm. movie you just pans across them, but you just see like a robot as part of like oh, the right. scary Oh right, no, assassins. you see
1: that guy. Oh yeah, hell yeah. So you haven't seen Mandalorian? I have not. There's one of them oh, in there. Cool. And it's a freaking beast. That shit would just mow down people. It's, like, completely superior. Yeah. And, yeah, that was really more how I had figured robots would be in this world, right? But then, like, why is it only just one model that's doing well? It was and OP'd. Why haven't they taken Got over? Got nerfed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe in this universe, right, there's just some, like, consortium of droid builders and there are laws that you have to hobble them all because we're super afraid that they're going to take us over
0: yeah maybe i wonder if that was explored so that was the other thing i want to say way back in the beginning we're talking about early experience star wars so there was that time right before or around the time the re-releases came out in the whatever mid to late Uh 90s where they suddenly allowed Uh um the expanded universe they called it right all these books and comics or whatever it was like expand the story because it was just the three movies originally and this expand they went into all these yeah. backstories and i'm pro- i wonder if someone had done a cool story about that but then once disney took over those are all yeah. non-canon as this is yeah, everything got wiped this out this is a religion so <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly yeah canon is such a like word that we just throw right. around like it's no big deal but yeesh. yes
0: yeah, so that stuff's all gone and now it's clean slate i guess and Whatever, a handful of movies some comic books. I don't know. So I wonder if they've gone into it or if, if anyone, that would be a cool thing to explore, right? The, mm. the robots and the assassin droids and things like that.
1: Totally. Yeah. Maybe that'll be the future. Maybe the droids will continue to rise up and then I'll be a, like a droid human at, human war.
0: Yeah. Well, the Sith are and, dead. So now the droids were the ones that were lurking in the, you know, Forbidden Zone or whatever.
1: Oh, where are they? I don't, I don't know, I'm just, I'm
0: just uh, coming up with a new series idea oh, here. You're, you're Disney, with this is copyright. Yeah, nice. Pay me money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I found another way you can rehash the original series. In case, in case JJ's out of ideas.
1: <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. No doubt they will find a less interesting way to do so. Ugh. Jabba's early days. God, probably, <laughs> dude. That's the next one.
0: <laughs>
1: oh my god! Why? It'll just be Andy Circus, just like <laughs>
0: <laughs> playing all the roles, Slugging man. Around, all the roles, just be CG, being a
1: gangster. <laughs>
0: all CG and Andy god. Circus in a like green suit, jumping around. Hmm. Nice. That was one of the things that was cut in. Knights of the Old Republic 2 was the Droid Planet, which I never played. I don't think, or maybe I just no trade, played a very small part of it because it was it was cut and I think restored in some fan patches. But I don't think right. it was ever complete. I think they ran out of time to do it. But that was supposed to be, I think, part of that. Yeah, you know, assassin droid oh, and all God, that.
1: Yeah, that game was so freaking good. Do you remember the Wookiee Planet? Vaguely, like, yeah. Or yeah. Whatever. Fuck! It was like it was like a ocean planet except the ocean was trees that were so big that they were basically an ocean like you'd land in the canopy and it was like a mile down to the floor where there was no light and all these crazy Uh, like bottom dwelling creatures and stuff oh my god it was cool
0: yeah i gotta replay the second one with um all the restorations and everything hmm Or just to replay it anyway. and doesn't actually need to have extra. I'd
1: watch a show about that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's what I was hoping when they were going to do the prequels. I was like, oh, is it going to be, you know, that far back or at least more like that? But it wasn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right. Bummer.
0: Older Star Wars games, man.
1: Yeah, right? It's crazy. You ever played played Jedi Knight or Dark Forces or any of those? Mm
0: Mm-mm. Now, I had good. one
1: oh what was this boy I played on like Super Nintendo with my dad I forgot entirely the name it was all Empire Strikes Back
0: was that Super Nintendo or there a Nintendo one No, maybe it's Super Nintendo it was yeah. so fucking hard if I'm thinking of the same game
1: yeah I think so yeah and dad and I just played it forever we got pretty good at it uh that was hard yeah, we, like, still have inside jokes from that. There was, like, a thing you could do, like, getting points, and, like, eventually Vader's helmet would appear in the screen, and he would say something congratulatory, and we had no idea what. And Like, to us, it sounded like he said, do crossy. <laughs> and we're like, what the fuck does do crossy mean? And <laughs>
0: he was trying to say cross just, it.
1: <laughs> I have no idea, no, and then like a friend came over one day and deciphered the whole thing for us, they're like, what do you mean, he's saying impressive <laughs> <laughs> And he totally was, it was like a direct quote from the movie, it's like when Luke jumps uh, out of the carbon yeah. freeze thingy, and, yeah. and then Vader's like, Impressive but like yeah. for some reason the 16-bit version right, of that right. or whatever like we could not make heads or tails of it dad and i still congratulate each other to this day by saying do that's <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like uh nba jam
1: mm-hmm.
0: um if you ever played that like some the older versions my brother and i we couldn't tell i guess we could tell what they were saying but to us it sounded like potato head <laughs> <laughs> instead of head fake it's like potato head potato head so that's what we say to each other sometimes <laughs> potato head
1: <laughs> oh boy <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah there's yeah, it's probably, probably a the lot of these actually like yeah yeah nice
0: so as they say in star wars live long and prosper <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: thanks everyone for joining us on this episode of tangent space don't forget to tip your waiter or waitress find us on tangentspacepodcast.com subscribe tell your friends Um, do a little publicity Mm. because we're obviously terrible at it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Hello, this is John K. <laughs> no, it's not.
0: <laughs> Do not believe the other man.
1: <laughs> He's gone insane. <laughs> All right, I'm removing one headphone. True fans will know who's who by our voices.